to the Skeptic Wire. Three-part harmony. Indeed. It is episode really? one. You called that beautiful. You call it harmony. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. we're off the rails. Each, Good three each, seconds in. <laughs> to each their own. Uh, it is episode 159 of the Skeptic Wire for the 22nd of April. What? For the 23rd of <laughs> April 2014. <laughs> Did you just hit yourself somewhere a little south? <laughs> No, you forgot about the international dateline. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, well, t- to be fair, I thought today was Tuesday. I thought that we were doing this tomorrow. I almost didn't show up today. <laughs> that would explain a lot. That explains the last month or so. <laughs> yeah. Well, if I he lost... didn't have thesis stuff to do. He just forgot about the show. Yeah. No. Pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Um, who am I? Who are you? What the hell am I doing here? I it's windy know. today. Anyway, uh... <laughs> I like cheese. So I am uh, I'm a host of the second part of the It's gonna be one of those shows. I am your host, Kaylon, and with me this week is host Donna Swafford. Hello, hello, hello. And host Greg Perrine. Parasitic host? <laughs> I was gonna say I was gonna say we're all now sounding like patient zero. Exactly. Okay. Don't yeah. come near the podcast. You might catch it. You might catch. You might catch the skeptic wire. Ah uh, freshly freshly shorn Greg, actually. You wanna explain yourself, <laughs> sir? Yeah, we're we're kinda used to the, the rugged okay. hair. He's one. like he, he must he must be affected with something. He's losing hair. <laughs> So the listeners know what the fuck Gary's talking about and don't turn off the show since I'd say... He's in the thong dancing around this horrible. <laughs> Save us now! By freshly shorn, what Gary is talking about is since, say, September, October, I've just been growing out my beard longer and longer and decided, what the hell, I'm gonna cut it. A couple of days ago. Part of the reason why was um, in getting into our kind of how was your week thing. I mentioned last week how I was going to go up to Austin to see Umphreys McGee, a rock band, perform at uh, Stubbs Barbecue. And it was a really great show. I really wish it wasn't an outdoor venue that allowed smoking, but that's neither here nor there. Look at it this way. You're getting more toxins from the cars driving by than you were from the uh, cigarettes. I'm just making that up. I really am. Yeah, you're pulling that way out of your ass because it wasn't just tobacco that was being smoked. And I noticed it was just, you know what? It's been a while since I cut the beard off. It's time. First of all, it's been hard to eat around. (laughs) There's a reason why they call long beard soup catchers. (laughs) And also, that night, two separate people said, hey, man, cool beard. And they were both shit-faced drunk. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, eh, it's been a while. Kind of like how in senior year of college, I said, you know what? I've had long hair since I was 12. Eh, let's try something different. And I cut it all off. Okay. So like this, it was just time for something new. Maybe next winter I'll grow you it back out again. Adams again. To be fair, he didn't cut the beard 
off. He just trimmed the beard. Yes. yes. Making him look, look more like those pictures of uh, George Clooney and the new Batman, which in the article about evolutionary benefits of either having or not having a beard, depending on who has beards. The, the story essentially <laughs> was that if there's a lot of men with beards, people, men and women, rate men without beards as more attractive and vice versa. If there's a lot of men without beards, men and women rate men with beards as more attractive. Right, so this is so good. It's, it's the, the standoutishness of whatever feature it is, in this case, beards. So, so I'm is, sure... This is good if, for me because I can't grow a beard. <laughs> I was going to say this is also good for you because if you're hanging out a lot of men with full heads of hair, you being... You mean like everybody I know. <laughs> sure. Don't, because don't you're don't follically challenged, you don't stand out from the group. He's bald, okay? I and, do shave my head, however. That's mainly because of the uh, receding hairline and <laughs> yes, the receding hairline that's back here. Oh, <laughs> I've got the widow's yeah. peak. <laughs> but you have—I will say this—you have a nicely shaped head. Damn straight, it works for you. I really can't imagine you. Nothing personal, Greg. With a with, shorn, shaved head. I don't even want to think about it. Okay, let's just. Yeah, no. So you're just hoping for that um, one day I don't get bored doing nothing on a weekend and decide to shave my entire body? I will not be back. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so how was your week done? <laughs> Actually, my week has been pretty good. I went and saw Transcendence. Very good movie. Did you get on the red carpet for that one, too? No. Oh. Was I on the red it's carpet? It's a little bit of jealousy in my voice, you know. Just a tad. This is what I'm going to say. If you can get past Johnny Depp's fake fucking accent... Because it is so bad. It is so bad. It's a good movie. It's a slow movie. It's a filmmaker's movie. It's very beautiful. It's very pretty. It sounds great and everything else and all of those things. But it's purposely slow. Kind of like our three brains. Yes. Very much so. You would think a movie about a guy taking over the internet and basically becoming this nanotechnological like, monster... Cause he... So, sort of like Lawnmower Man. I was going to say, isn't that the plot to Lawnmower Man? <laughs> Only with Johnny Depp. You would think that things would start picking up pace, yeah. but they don't. He, the Wally Fisher who directed it keeps everything at this, it's a really steady pace. Like a computer. Yep. Hmm. But it's good. It'll make you want to get rid of your phone by the end of the movie, because you're going to be all like, holy fuck. They're the woman, watching me. Says the woman yeah. who just got a brand new phone. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, look, yeah. there's more jealousy. <laughs> did, did you not? You've got, you've got the Star Wars watch. And the, did you Star not Trek see watch. my post on Facebook where no. I was all like, transcendence, da, 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 da. And I said, I see the irony here of posting this to Facebook on my brand new phone. No, I just read the first two lines. I saw transcendence. I'm like, eh, I'm working on the movie myself. <laughs> so how was your week, Gary? I've been working. Moving on. <laughs> I guess we're, we're moving working. on to birthdays. Yeah, that'd be working real. Yeah, do we have a birthday today? Yes, we have a birthday today. <laughs> Other than the rebirth of the Skeptic Wire. Yes, there's three hosts again. So, born on April 23rd, 1858. Any guesses? 1858? Yep. <laughs> I don't know. Bob? Close. His first name has three letters in it. Ong. 
What, O-N-G? That's... <laughs> A-N-G. Oh, okay. Like no. there's an only. No, eighteen fifty-eight, not nineteen. Okay. This person is a scientist. Roy. <laughs> Bob. <laughs> Stu. <Dad>? Jim. <laughs> Bren. <laughs> oh fuck you guys. Um, <laughs> at theoretical physicist deals a lot with uh, quantum mechanics. Kind of started the whole quantum theoretical physics, quantum theory kind of thing. Has a lot of stuff named after him used in formulas and stuff like that. Does he have an institute named after him in Germany? Possibly. Euler? He, uh, a very famous quote of his, A new scientific truth does not triumph by convincing its opponents and making them see the light, but rather because its opponents eventually die and a new generation grows up familiar with it. Hmm. No, I know who I'm thinking of, and I can't associate that, but... Of the many things named after him, the one that comes to mind most readily to me is the length named after him. Plank. Yes. Max Plank. Yes. Mm. Holy shit. Gary got it. <laughs> Yay. Hey, if you'd answered my question correctly, I would have had it first. I answered correctly for my knowledge, which is I don't know. Because <laughs> there's the Max Planck Institute in Germany, sure. which oh, is, is yeah. does a lot of work in anthropology. Cool. Anthropology. Hmm. Wonder they how they got links and anthropology and laying stuff out. <clears throat> he basically was one of the first people to really kind of get into full-on quantum theory. A lot of his research, at least in the late 1800s, focused on blackbody radiation, which is essentially like if you just have a block of non-reflective material and it's just radiating electromagnetic stuff. I, I don't understand the full physics of it, but it's understanding how it radiates stuff and how that varies from, based on the temperature of this block of stuff, tells you what electromagnetic radiation will be released. Kind of this, this, the color of the spectrum kind of stuff. Yes, it's the Max Planck Institute for Evolutionary Anthropology, and they study genetics, evolution, linguistics, primatology, development, and comparative psychology, as well as hominin dietary ecology. Cool. I know several people who work there. That was why I was like, is there an institute? <laughs> well, you ran up against the wall of my limit of knowledge, which is... The wall of ignorance. Yes. <laughs> Besides the fact that he won a big Nobel Prize in 1918 and was all sciencey, he was kind of nationalistic a bit during the First World War, trying to keep German science going, and especially in the time between the two world wars. He was trying to advocate for bringing money in just to keep science going in Germany, despite their horrible economy, because they were trying to pay back the entire world. He tried to keep that going, but when Nazism started rising, he was he Making was trying back. to do his best. <laughs> he, he, he didn't exactly full-on protest everything, but he was trying to say, let's just hope this all passes by. And he, he tried to keep Jewish scientists still working, kind of on the QT, at the institutes that he worked with, and... Wrote some letters, kind of long lines of, the, we really should kind of keep science neutral and all this, and resigned in protest when the Nazi party took over one of the institutes that he was president of, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. And like I said in that quote, it says a lot about scientific skepticism that he understood that sometimes you just can't convince people. You just have to wait for the people who know the old way to die off. 
But there were plenty of things like he thought that the quantum mechanics, quantum theory stuff that he started coming up with, even though it worked well with Einstein's relativity, he thought that was eventually going to be replaced by something else and maybe disproven by other experiments. But once it started getting proven through various experiments, he eventually got convinced. It's like, okay, well, I guess the data shows that I was actually right. So he had the proper amount of skepticism to his science, even though sometimes there was a little bit of his philosophy getting in the way of taking certain approaches. Sure. Well, quantum mechanics isn't really all that intuitive, so it would make sense that he'd be a little bit iffy about it. Well, this is a thinking, perhaps. Okay, this is a good starting point. Yeah. But... That's kind of cool that he was like, oh, okay. I guess I'm right. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yay me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, plenty of interesting stuff to go out there. And like I said, there's a good dozen different stuff named after him. There's the Planck energy, Planck length, Planck mass, Planck time, Planck temperature, Planck charge, current, power, density, postulate, scale, constant. There's all sorts of stuff named after Plankton. him. And and looking into kind of what those were, I'm just going to ignore that and keep going, Gary. <laughs> it seems a lot of the Planck stuff, I didn't fully understand all the science of it before, and I still don't understand a lot of it. But a lot of it is dealing with essentially the worst you can be in a certain category before something turns into a black hole. So the Planck <laughs> length, I think how I read it, it's the length. It's the smallest length that you can measure before the energy that you're putting into trying to measure that distance accurately is so much that the energy you're putting into would cause a black hole. Sure. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's like you said, quantum stuff, it's counterintuitive. Things like the Planck mass is kind of flipping that on the other side of the largest mass of some individual thing that you can have before itself turns into a mini black hole that might go into, um, uh, what is it? The Hawking radiation that we now know about that black holes evaporate or continue to swallow the universe or something like that. So, and if you're trying to probe a little mini black hole, when it becomes a mini black hole, suddenly your probe becomes dull, it gets sucked in and then you get sucked in and then everybody's really pissed off because the entire department's gone and then they have to rehire new people. It's really horrible. So, Max Planck, birthday today, April 23rd, 1858. Uh, he passed away October 4th, 1947, oh. at the ripe old age of 89. Apparently, even at 85, he was full of vim and vigor and climbing the Alps and stuff like that. He I, was I, climbing the Alps at 85? Yeah. Uh, it, according to the Fount of All Knowledge Wikipedia. <laughs> take that with a grain of salt. But multiple sources do say that he had kind of a lot of family tragedy in his life. His first wife died early 1900s. His second son died in World War I fighting. The second son was captured in World War I and was in a prisoner of war camp for a while, but eventually got released. He had two daughters who were twins. One of them died in childbirth, and the other twin married that husband, kind of the widower, and also died in childbirth a couple years later. So I think it's probably the guy's fault. The eldest son, the one who was in the French prisoner of war camp, was apparently involved in, I think it's the 1944 attempt on Hitler's life, and was convicted and executed by the Nazis. 
Wow. So uh, it, after all that tragedy, he did eventually marry a second time before the second son was executed and all that. But um, a lo- it took a lot out of him, apparently, and his last years were kind of like humdrum. <laughs> but um, but he was out climbing mountains. I, I, he had to have a hobby, I guess. Yeah. So good sciencey stuff. A lot of it that I don't understand because I'm working on my very, very basic high school level of physics. And uh, yeah, so go read up and know more about him than I do. Or if you know more about him than I do, send us a message and let me know where I was wrong. <laughs> it's probably not Plank, it's Plunk. <laughs> Jim, you know. I spent 15 minutes going on about the guy and now you correct me? <laughs> well, most you people do say Plank. I mean, generally speaking, everyone says, everyone says, says Plank. especially yeah. Well, in the United States anyway. Yeah. So even, even the, the big people that... They do the skeptical and science thing, usually say plank instead right. of plonk. Because well, plonk sounds odd to us. Sounds like you're throwing something down on the table. <laughs> exactly. Plonk sound. Yep. Correct me again, Gary, and I'll send you a threatening letter. <laughs> a stiffly worded missive. Yes. Well, it appears that San Antonio had this stiffly, stiffly worded missive. Missive. Or a threatening letter sent out saying that something's going to happen to elementary school kids? Apparently, because when they first put it out, this letter that was sent to the schools, when the information was disseminated to parents and the citizenry of of San Antonio, it just said an area school. So people were all like, what the fuck? Is it a high school? Is it middle school? Is it elementary school? UTSA, which often gets bomb threats, right? Well, maybe the letter itself wasn't specific in its threat. Well, no. Well, we don't know. It appears that it was specific, but it's been found to be a hoax, or at least that's what the police are saying now. Spoiler alert. Really? (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) So the school district sends out a note with parents and then follows up the next day with a phone call and starts blasting stuff on Facebook and their website going... You're all going to die. Okay. Right. And then wonders why the fuck people are starting to have conniptions when they can't get answers. Now, with all due respect to my fellow citizens of San Antonio, if... That's always never... That's, that's the, almost no, never, ever a well. good start to uh, <laughs> right, the right. citizenry of San Antonio. But <laughs> it's not like police or the FBI, because I guess the FBI was also involved in, in sure. everything else. It's not like they're going to tell us their plans on mm-hmm. how to take care of it and how to stop it. Right. They're not going to go, oh, by the way, we're going to be camped out in front of every school. Right. Or if they mention the actual school that was threatened, then every all the parents pull all their kids out, and then they can't catch the guy when he tries to show up or something. Or, exactly. So or makes another threat. There was a lot of um, how shall we say confusion, not only by parents of children who are in these schools, and they disseminated out to Northeast ISD, Northside Independent, South. Southside, San Antonio, they kind of covered the whole gamut and said, okay, here you go. We're going to just do this. But it was funny watching one group make a decision and go, okay, we're not going to have school. And then all of a sudden is we're going to cancel school. And then 
So every other school would do it. And then it would be all like, well, we're not going to cancel school. We're just going to put it on lockdown. And then it was like, whoa, no, we're not going to cancel school either. We're just going to put it on lockdown. And I was just like, do we not have an independent brain here? <laughs> it sounded like each of these schools were trying to come up with their own plan of attack, I would say each of the districts. Okay. And there wasn't any kind of unified, like, okay, how should we all do this? Okay, we're agreed. Okay, then announce it. Right. It was all just competing press releases. Right. And then... Of course, there's everybody posting on Facebook going, I'm going to be sitting outside my kid's school with my gun and my <laughs> pickup truck. And I'm like, oh, yeah, there's a good idea. Well, it worked for that guy out in Colorado, Al Bundy. What's his name? Not Colorado. Nevada. 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 Yeah. It's not Al Bundy. That's the guy from Married Clive with Children. Clive Bundy. Yeah. Oh, okay. And all he cared about was his damn sheep. <laughs> Cattle. Cattle? That was sheep. No cattle. Well, <laughs> then it's okay then. But anyway, so plenty of people were saying that they were going to be the school militia, essentially. Yes. And so, it always ends well with a bunch of gun-toting people showing up. Yep. All I have to say is so many mistakes on so many levels. It's just funny watching how the school districts kind of competed with each other to see who could outdo who on safety and and everything but then not be able to say much about their safety plans because i'm pretty sure our police chief and the fbi bureau head here is going fuck you shut up <laughs> shut up <laughs> all they really had to do was say the fbi has a plan we're, we're trying to take up. care of it yeah we, yeah we do have security hill here i mean yeah san, san antonio may seem like a little hodunk town but we have some Pretty big uh, secret squirrely stuff going. Yeah. Pretty sure we can put that to good use here as we well. We've got a few army bases, air force yeah. bases. We, I think we have a few NSA facilities. Not yeah. That I... Yes. Yes. There's one right <laughs> down the road from us, Greg. Yeah. I was trying to be vague, but okay, let's move on. In fact, oh, it's no, seriously, you can't miss it, though. It's the one that looks like an NSA. <laughs> it's a big building with no windows. Which is, yeah, which is kind of hilarious because it's like, you'd think they'd be incognito. No, they have the barriers out front because they have to have the barriers out front. Mm. I just, Yeah, that's the thing that always strikes me. It's like, you would think that these buildings that are supposed to be very high security and everything else, that they'd have like some sort of like facade that made it look like a regular building, and then... Don't the mind actual... us. We're just a, a special H-E-B that you're not allowed to shop at. Or, or like, you know, <laughs> the corporate office for Bob's Athletic Supplies or something <laughs> like that. But no, they've got... It's unmarked, but they have concrete barriers. What is and that? gate guards and, and <laughs> shit like that. And no windows. Like I said, if they put up a facade that had, you know, windows and made it look like a real office building... So like an office within an office? Because you yeah. can't... Actually, you don't, you don't need to do that. Now I was thinking about a Faraday cage, but all you need is the windows to have um, mesh in, inside them. So never mind. Don't mind me. I'm talking to myself. Hi, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently you're doing what all the parents and school board people were doing this week with the uh, threat. The second, second Just guessing. Just talking it. out their yeah, ass. But in, yeah, but in the, in the absence of information, yeah. you're going to make decisions based on whatever you think or whatever credible threat you think might and so the, one of the problems was there was no information. Yeah. And there was no response saying, really, hey, no, wait a minute, guys, calm down. Uh, we can't tell you everything, but we're but, working on it. Right. Or... But at the same time, they didn't think – it appears that they didn't think it was a, a particularly credible threat. Some of the releases I saw was 
we're pretty sure based on previous behavior, we know who this is. Okay. So it sounded like they already knew the guy or girl or who, whatever. And so it wasn't that big a deal. Now, what, what I also found interesting is, so this happened on Monday. Today, they said, oh, by the way, uh, Thursday, yeah, we're going to be on a soft lockdown. So They so, announced that on Monday? No, they announced it today. Okay. So tomorrow, they're going to be on, um, on soft lockdown, which means that any adult who previously had permission to go to school can be to school. So in, in any of their – there were certain parents that walk the halls and help out and volunteer. They're allowed. Mm -hmm. Originally, they weren't going to be allowed or whatever. But what's funny is like – so if a person threatens that they're going to do something to the kids and they say Thursday, why do they think it's just going to happen on Thursday? If now that the <laughs> press is, leak, is saying something's going to happen Thursday – just wait until Friday is what they're oh, saying. Go for Wednesday. Why the hell not? Right. Really yeah. surprise yeah. them. But then, you know, I'm not the one making that threat. <laughs> so it, it's weird that, that that people think, oh, well, the guy said this. And so therefore we were, we're going to take like all of the details particularly. But, but on the other hand, threatening like that. And giving a certain date, it doesn't do you any good if you're going to threaten. It's basically right. saying, hey, look at me. More than I'm going to show up, you know, stop me. Right. The the yeah. Usually, school shooters don't announce themselves. That's, that's example, and yeah. they certainly don't give where they're going to do it and what day. They're like, I'm going to get you. <laughs> yes the the Columbine kids. You found out from their diaries later on that they were planning this whole thing, but they didn't send a letter to the school board saying, oh, "All right, on Thursday at 4 p.m., we're going to be suiting up." So. uh so, Jack, so you might want to might want to take care of things. Yeah, that. yeah, no, yeah, no one does that. <laughs> and like, well, bad, evil, evil people in movies do. So yeah. if more if more bad people would take after the evil people in movies, it would and be, be mostly incompetent. Yeah, it would be followed be up by a full letter explaining their plan to Mister <laughs> Bond. <laughs> exactly. Yes, and they wouldn't they wouldn't pull it off until after they told everybody or whoever was there to stop them exactly yeah. why. They were going to do that. <laughs> Monologuing, I believe, is the term. Yeah. But yep. that never happens, as far as I know. Who so, knows? Maybe Hitler monologued before he started World War II. <laughs> well, there's all those YouTube videos of him screaming about stuff. Oh, that's a good point. From Actually, that. he was my... He's, he's, he was pretty... Well, no, he was kind of rallying the people, I guess. L less mono... Well, he was obviously monologuing. No, he was bitching about the end of Lost. I'm talking about the videos where they have that one scene from the bunker of that Hitler movie, and they just resubtitle it with different, oh, oh, from yeah. different yeah, yeah, yeah. things that he's complaining yeah, he about. Yeah, bitching about the end of Lost. Okay. <laughs> or now it's How I Met Your Mother, apparently. Yeah, yeah, about 30 minutes ago I was talking about how sometimes we're slow on the uptake, Gary. There you yeah. go. So Johnny Depp's in the movie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, kind Inception? No, Transcendence. Transcendence. It's done by the uh, cinematographer of Inception. Yeah. Right. See, I can bring that all the way around. <laughs> so maybe not coming around. <laughs> Let's talk about sex then. <laughs> Smooth transition there, Gary. Well, you know, the school's going to be on lockdown, so to get into a locked room, you need you need a key. So there's a lock and a key. Looks like sperm and egg have, like, a lock and a key mechanism. That's kind of cool. And if you have a lock and key of a sperm and an egg, that's how you get the kids that can be threatened by some schmuck who sends a letter to the school board. 
No, no, I'm going back. I'm transitioning backwards. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so, not working. So, so the, appears there was a letter sent out <laughs> to. Uh, what, what the hell's going on? <laughs> We're in a time loop. Huh. Hello! <laughs> Is that what all the, the black marks on people have been today? Because it's, day... yeah, it's that's day of the doctor. Yeah. It's the... I still haven't yeah, seen yeah, that. The silence. Day of the... I mean, I know the silence, but I haven't seen Day of the Doctor. Yeah. It's... With all the different doctors. I haven't seen that. It's very sad. I have the DVD, so you can You do? It. I'd like to borrow it. Like now. Right now. Right. I'm, I'm off. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> oh, meow. We'll, meow. I'd like it meow. Cool, man. Oh, it's just DVD. It's not Blu-ray. <laughs> Fuck you, Gary. <laughs> Give me it back. <laughs> totally, totally the guy who can never really watch this stuff is a snob because, oh, I have a Blu-ray player. <laughs> I'm a prick. Okay. Yes, you're right. There's a lock and key system for when the sperm meets egg. Yay! (laughs) So that means that we can we can put gum in it or or glue in it, and and the locking mechanism will be all broke, and so you can't. As a metaphor, that's not too bad because one of the applications of this discovery might be better contraceptive male uses. contraceptives male or or different female contraceptives yeah. as well yeah but uh, don't don't put like gum or glue in your hoo-ha no 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 Ma- male male Ow! male Ow! or female I said metaphor metaphor not metaphor. literal <laughs> <laughs> yeah this isn't the andromeda strain Okay, let's let's move on. So back in 2005, some Japanese researchers found a protein on the sperm that seemed to be... But the the sperm is like all protein, is it not? On the surface of the sperm. Okay. That seems to be what recognizes the egg. And they called it Izumo, which is apparently the name of a Japanese marriage shrine. Fast forward to 2014, and a team from the Wellcome Trust Sanger Institute... In the UK, the Cell Surface Signaling Laboratory, headed by Dr. Gavin Wright, basically had a chemically altered version of that Izumo protein that they finally found what that protein binds on on the surface of the egg. Now, I don't know how they altered it. Maybe they added a fluorescent protein onto it so that it would glow when it attached to something. So I don't know how they found it, but they essentially found... That protein and some steak, some caviar, <laughs> <laughs> some rose petals, and berry white. <laughs> that that berry white is apparently uh, known as folate receptor four, which they eventually renamed Juno after the Roman goddess of fertility and marriage. So apparently, what happens is as soon as the Izumo meets Juno, the egg cell sheds all of its remaining Juno, which is the proteins that line the egg that recognize the sperm and stops producing it so that within 40 minutes or so of sperm meeting egg, there's no detectable amount on the surface. So so, so this is a combination of sperm and egg and not like the sperm coming out with, with rehypnol or something and saying... No, no, <laughs> this is... No, this is not that. Gary. Good. <laughs> 
Yes, it'd be it'd be bad if like even the sperm were kind of rapey. <laughs> so what happens is science stuff happens, Gary. Oh, science. <laughs> So once the egg has no more Juno protein on it, no more sperm can have that lock and key mechanism with the egg. So only one sperm gets in. So you don't have too many chromosomes going on in the nucleus. Right. There are certain specialized websites that show porn of that, but um, this is not that thing. <laughs> of of two sperm and one egg? Yes. <clears throat> I'm sure there's a cup involved as well. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. Right. Let's just I, I thought it was like actual science porn you're talking about with like, you know, the microscopic and the eggs and stuff See, like that. that. No, been... no, just stupid bad joke. Okay. <laughs> you're, you're actually really? talking about uh, deletable history kind of stuff. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, Gary. Really? Did you it's been a long week. Okay, so what we have... <laughs> I forgot who he is. <laughs> what we have is the Zumo protein and the Juno protein. And when they lock and key, one sperm can get in, the rest is released, and or it stops producing. <laughs> the rest are walking around the lobby of the hotel room with their little keys going, hey, anyone? Anyone? Huh? Well, that's actually bringing me to the next thing that I, I found in reading up on this. There's uh, some hypothesis that... The Juno that's on the rest of the egg that is not locked when the when the sperm basically wiggles its way in that gets released is actually kind of released as little vesicles or something. They're essentially like decoy eggs. So the other sperm, they meet this other Juno protein and say, oh, OK, I found it. And they 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 stop or right. they well, stop they, trying they, to they, find the egg. Well, they, they think they've they've made it. Exactly. And they're like, oh. Well, at least they die happy. Yeah. So even the sperm are kind of metaphorically spilling their seed in this situation where they're just kind of, well, okay, I found it. You mean it. blowing their load? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Some middle school metaphor makes sense here. Yeah, but you went with the biblical one. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, the, the scientists found this protein, which is really, really neat. I, I assumed, like I said, by some kind of fluorescence whatever alteration to say, look, it locked with something, it shows up. But then to further confirm that this is definitely what the protein is about, they genetically modified some mice, some female mice that would not produce the Juno protein. And all of those mice were 100% infertile, just like if you take a male mouse and make sure that it can't produce the Azumo protein, all those males are completely and utterly infertile. Okay, hold on. The, the male has the Izumo and the Correct. female the has, has the, the Juno. Juno. Oh, I had that reversed. Okay. Interesting. I mean, the way you explain it, okay, I get it. I get it. I'm there. Yeah. So the egg waits for the Izumo. Correct. And, and it has the this, Juno on its yeah, surface. Got you. Okay. Got it. Ha ha! Yeah. I learned so, that. science. Yeah. One, as we said before, this discovery could lead to better contraceptives. If you find some way to reversibly, and that's the important part, Make sure that a man can no longer produce the Zumo protein and it doesn't, you know, give him cancer or something. Then you can have a male pill, which means the man would be infertile and still they can start producing this protein again. Yeah. Same thing. You can have a female version of another pill that is not hormonal in basis. A lot of women take 
the hormonal version of the pills for other reasons besides birth control, for acne control or period control, I think, and, and various other things. But if you have bad reactions to that as a female, maybe this could be another just as effective manner of having temporarily infertile in having birth control. <laughs> Thank you for laughing because I was just going to edit that out. You schmuck. I gave you, I gave you a small break where you could edit. I know. <laughs> okay. Cause like when, when people go off of birth control and then they start taking fertility drugs, right? They suddenly become, you know, you, you end up maybe having hyper fecundity. Or... Oh, sure. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Remember, she's the smarty, educated one of us. In, in, bi biologically educated, yes. Like if we were talking about you know stuff that really? I might she also know. has Just a ph fucking. Just gay. keep digging, Gary. I know. I apologize. I was I was trying to build myself up. <clears throat> anyway, tearing me down, huh? No, not at all. <laughs> Okay, since uh, the other kids are fighting, I'm going to move on to the next hopeful well, thing no, about my, this my, discovery. My point was after the uh, hyperfecundity. Hyper or hypo. If you need fertility drugs, it's because you have hypofecundity. If you get off the pill and get pregnant like that, it's hyper. Right. So my thinking was if, if like the, the guy, the guy has the Azuma, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. So if you give him something to take where the Azuma is repressed and suddenly he goes off then maybe it'll have no. a Zuma Zuma Zuma. <laughs> yeah, that was a long way to go. for a bad joke. <laughs> I thought you were actually trying to be intelligent, Gary. I was. <laughs> and then I had to ruin it with, yeah. like, technical terms. Yeah, and I was going to respond, well, no, because it's just the coating of the protein on the sperm. It wouldn't make it more likely to reach the egg or more likely to bind when someone finally is producing a Zumo again. <laughs> <laughs> no, you were going for a zoom, zoom, zoom joke. Excuse me, a zoom, a zoom, a zoom. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were a shill for the Mazda company. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> but in addition to possible contraceptive use, apparently some of the numbers are somewhere between one in eight or one in six uh, Americans or couples or whatever suffer from infertility. Now, a lot of that may be due to low sperm production or ovulation problems, or there, there's lots of different disorders, but there's still plenty of time where they kind of factor all those out. They count the little spermies, they make sure that there's no ovarian problems or whatever, and the woman is still infertile. And in that case, they usually have to go to the kind of most invasive version of trying to make sperm meet egg, which is actually just take a sperm and inject it right into the egg and say, there you go. So it may be some of the times where that is the less best possibility of making a baby before you have to say, screw it, we're going to adopt, is that maybe there's a lot of people who have this protein deficiency, either the man or the woman, and maybe they can find some kind of very quick and easy genetic test to one, find out if the man or woman has this so that either one, we can find some way to have a reverse pill, which causes the zoom, zoom, zoom. Or if they know that they're just not going to be able to do a hyper fecundity kind of situation where they give someone fertility drugs to make them produce a lot of eggs or whatever, they may be able to say, all right, we got to skip all those steps. Let's save you some money and just inject the sperm right into the egg in the uh, Petri dish and go with that. So 
it's really neat. Yeah. No, I, I, I thought it was fantastic when, when the idea It's, it's one of those things where you take well, you take sex ed in, in high school and you understand sperm meets egg and then boom, baby. But up until now, we haven't fully understood why only one sperm meets egg, what stops everything else, and how they greet each other and say, oh, okay, let's get together and make a baby. When I think about it, it, it kind of amazes me that it's been this long knowing the basic biology and, and basic ideas how it worked, but it's been this long to realize and to find yeah. these proteins. They may have thought that it's there was weird. a lock and key mechanism, but they maybe just the techniques of the imaging of proteins and manipulation of that stuff has okay. only taken until now to be able to kind of really f easily find these kind of things and also genetically manipulate the mice so that they can double check their hypothesis. And, and that's the other thing is I, I'd love to know what's, what experiments kind of led up to this discovery mm -hmm. because you go back and you think of the last two presidential campaigns in the United States where they're making fun of basic science mm -hmm. to realize, okay, which techniques were found on uh, fruit flies, Do which of those techniques led either directly or slightly indirectly into sperm and egg Suddenly, we've we've got this knowledge that we right. didn't have before. Papa, you know, yeah. Da, 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 da. Or yeah, someone making fun of why are you trying to study fertility in mice? Mice are fine; they breed all the time. They don't yeah. need our help. It's like, well, we're they're another mammal model, and sometimes when you do an experiment with a mice or any other mammal, it doesn't automatically translate to humans. But they have confirmed that this protein combination does seem to exist on humans. Right. So it looks very promising. And um, yeah, yay science. Yay right. science! And it's also, the more that we learn about eggs, the more we can learn about stem cells. That's true. Because we have to harvest those eggs in order to produce stem cells right now. Although that might be changing. Uh, kind of. <laughs> well, let somebody else take it because that's pretty much. I, I just got us into it. Yeah, I'll let anybody else take it. Yeah, basically, you and I are transitions today. We're here, <laughs> yes. we're here, but uh, we're Greg's here, done all but... the reading. You're just talking about steer, and I'll get used to it. Steer. It's the best mm -hmm. rhyme I could think of because neither of you are queer. You're here. <laughs> you're talking about steer. Get used to it. Because we talked about the guy in Nevada. That's the best I can think of. Cliven Bundy. Yeah. I got, I, I, I'm still confused. I, okay, you know what? You're okay, here. Just... You're high on beer. I'll get used to it. That God, better I'm... rhyme? No. I, I'm, I'm just... still confused on why he has to rhyme. <laughs> because the, the chant, we're here, we're queer, get used to it. Oh. You've I, never heard that chant? Not recently. I mean, I think I think I remember. There from was like this incident 70s. when he was in, when he was twelve. He's trying to block. <laughs> He's it. blocked it out of his mind entirely. Let's just move on. Just oh, move on. I get it because we're here. I got it. Okay. No, seriously, I totally, I totally missed this entire thread. <laughs> I apologize uh, for the editing, actually. <laughs> It seems like every year or two, there's another announcement about stem cells and being We're only able... ten years out. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, okay, there's that too. But there's always some sort of announcement of, oh, we've done this other thing with stem cells, or we've been able to induce pluripotent cells, that sort of thing. Or there's an election controversy about whether or not you allow stem cell research and or banning human cloning, all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of articles going around about how the one I have here from time.com says researchers clone cells from two adult men. Technically, that does say what's going on, but it really emphasizes the wrong things. Right. They didn't clone two adult men. Which also has the connotation of two gay men finally cloned and had a baby or, or something like that. And it wasn't cloning. What happened was back in, oh gosh, I can't remember when, the, the Dolly cloning thing. Must have been the 80s. No, I thought it was the 90s. I was thinking 2000s, so. Definitely wasn't. Uh, 96? I, apparently I went over, so Nin I would have lost prices right. 96 when Dolly was 96. Born. Yeah. Okay. So back in 96, they were able to clone Dolly the sheep, which was lauded as, wow, we figured out how to do this. Awesome. Some people didn't like it, but okay, whatever. Last year, apparently the Oregon Health and Science University was able to generate stem cells using the same techniques that they used to clone Dolly. But what they did is they used cells and nucleuses from fetuses and infants. So essentially what the Dolly technique really is, is... You take an egg or a uh, a cell from a zygote, which is essentially a non-differentiated cell. You take out its nuclear material and you transplant other nuclear material in. Right. So that whatever grows from that new cell with the new nuclear material is genetically identical to whatever was the other source. Right. But So you're not really creating anything. You're, you're basically taking two things and... Combining two disparate things. Right. It's a way to make essentially a, a stem cell with identical genetic material to your original so that you could right. do something like stem cell therapy for broken backs and, and nerve damage or regrowing a heart or something like that by bathing a stem cell in the right amount of proteins and chemicals to induce it to become a heart cell or a nerve cell or a pancreas cell or whatever. So it's not cloning in that you take an adult male cell and split it and say, now we can make another of Bob. So what was announced recently was in the journal Stem Cell Cell. Okay, someone decided to make a palindrome name for a journal. You're doing pretty good with all these S's today, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah, that bought this Stem Cell Cell, when I was reading that, that bothered me. The Yeah, it's a weird name for a journal. journal. But you've got Dr. Robert Lanza, who's the chief scientific officer for Advanced Cell Technology, which is apparently a biotechnology company. And what they did is they used a similar process to the Oregon Health and Science University that did a fetus and infant kind of stem cell creation using the Dolly technique. And they did that using the source nuclear material from a 35-year-old man and a 75-year-old man. So really what this announcement says is they were able to use the same technique and use older people's DNA as the source material for the nuclear material. Previously, it was just a fetus or an infant. So it was really young material. So this was proving that you could do it for a source of any age. The problem is it's still using an embryonic stem cell, maybe donated from IVF 
or harvested or whatever, so it's still pretty controversial. They're not taking an adult cell and inducing pluripotency and then cloning off of it. So that's why the headline is kind of sucky. Right. But what they were able to do was take 77 eggs from a bunch of different donors and use these two different male donors' nuclear material and put that nuclear material in essentially half and half of the eggs and see if it took. Right. Uh, another of the techniques that they were testing was waiting either 30 minutes or two hours once they'd introduced the nuclear material before they induced it to start splitting again to kind of see if it was viable. Because if, if it didn't split and, and divide again, it was just a cell that was going to die. But if they could make it divide again, they could actually keep it as a stem cell line. And what they found was only two of the two-hour eggs were able to survive and split and split again. So the length of time after you put some nuclear material in a new cell, in a stem cell, and allow it to kind of integrate to the cell and kind of forget its browser history from being the previous nuclear material is important for making sure that an embryonic stem cell transfer of nuclear material will keep. So it, the headline doesn't entirely make sense, and it's still controversial because it's still dealing with embryonic stem cells, which means that none of this experimentation was funded by the government. But it's proving that you could clone older people, clone their genetic material, so that maybe we can help people with spinal injuries or diabetes. Or It's, it's the next step in science, but it's not we're cloning adult people. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> as far as we know. Oh, I'm pretty yeah. sure the Chinese are already on that. So. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the, the South Koreans had to retract all of their recent stem cell. Uh, yeah, they were saying that they had basically they done something able to do similar, it. but using yeah. skin cells instead of. Yeah, I, th I think that was yeah. the inducing of the pluripotency. Yes, yeah. but I, I would think that the end goal is essentially to finally create, combine this research to say, okay, we've worked with embryonic stem cells. And we've gotten down the techniques pretty good, maybe hopefully better than 5% efficiency in the future to take nuclear material out of one and put it in another if we have to, to cure things like mitochondrial diseases sure. where you can't keep the old cell. And also combine that with taking maybe a skin cell and being able to make that pluripotent. Sure. And well, I reducing mean, the, 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 it. Best, and, the and, best way to, for this to, to happen is to make the cost come down. But the research has to be done first. I mean, yeah. and it, and that costs. Yeah, I mean, the transistor, for example, didn't just show up. Granted, <laughs> that's not biology, but you know, they worked long and hard and spent millions of dollars to develop this technology, and then they had to shrink it and shrink it and shrink it, and they're well, still spending shitloads of money and uh, graduate student time to shrink stuff even further. Well, it's the same as computers. I mean, look at the computers that took Armstrong to the moon, and look at our cell phones. Well, that, that's, that's 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 exactly the point. Yeah. I mean, that, that's when I say transistor, I'm talking about the shrinking uh, of of all of the elements. I thought you were talking about radios. <laughs> he was talking about technology getting better and cheaper, and well, a cell phone is effectively a radio, just with like little buttons and stuff. Yes, but one you... thing that technology has been able to do now with 3D printers is they are giving people new leases on life. There's that reminds me. i got to renew my lease. Are you just leasing this house? On my life. Ah. 
lease on life. I am slow Hello! today. <laughs> there was an article recently. Um, actually, the first time that I saw it was on People Magazine of all places. Don't judge. Don't judge. But also, you know, I think on... we are. I think we're going to judge here. <laughs> Look at where I work. It wasn't. At least it wasn't like the Daily Mail or something. Well, we, we world do, not daily. We do, we do. We do read a lot of daily. Daily Mail. Speak for yourself, Kimasabi. I've seen um, you post Daily Mail. <laughs> Go ahead. But um, use of 3D printers has basically given this young girl, she was born with this, a disease called arthrogryposis, which makes her joints curve and her muscles weak and she can't lift her arms. But thanks to the 3D printing exoskeletons, she now has movement and grip in her hands and she's able to do stuff and right it's like really cool you know you're all like oh no it's not just for making action figures <laughs> <laughs> so essentially what they were able to make is you make custom plastic pieces that were appropriate to the girl's body in dimension i guess yep and hook that up with at I a th- reasonable cost i think yeah, this is the important yeah. Part. it's cost <laughs> it's customization but it's it's also it's combined with other materials like I think tension bands or gears or something like that. Kind of like um, yeah. the, a, the the you've got a lamp that's an arm got an arm with the Pixar basically, lamp. Yes, the Pixar lamp with little springs or whatever. The tension of that lamp allows you to move the lamp and leave it in its space a lot easier. Apparently, think, these people who have the arthrogryposis. Yes. Basically, their muscles are can't move their body. In addition to having their joints bent in weird ways, so if you're making it with this exoskeleton easier for a kid to move their arms, they'll be able to take care of themselves at least in limited ways. They can yeah. brush their own teeth. They can feed themselves. Right. Y-Rex, which stands for the Wilmington Robotic Exoskeleton, and it uses elastic bands. And basically makes the child's arm have a almost like a weightless feeling. Right. Yeah, that's that's really cool. The the other cool thing is that because it's an exoskeleton, and if you look at the picture on People dot com, it's kind of got a bit of a rector set and some rubber bands, and mm-hmm. then the the plastic parts that that they printed. But you know, it, it, she can now if someone's playing with her dolly, she can uh, yell at them, "Get away from her, you bitch!" <laughs> So that's kind of cool. She'll grow up to be a film film connoisseur. Yeah. Nice Ripley comment. Loved it, actually. But besides printing small things, they're also printing up like small houses using 3D printing. Very different 3D printers than the one, well, yeah, the, yeah, the maker not, bots. Yeah, they're, not, yes. they're not like these, you know, building your home types for a couple of grand. The cool thing about 3D printing is the idea that we have right now is, a, is like this little plastic bit. You know, and it, and it kind of grows the plastic, right? By layer by layer, by layer by makes layer. the skeptic wire action figures. Yeah, right, exactly. But you can do three D printing with anything as long as your printer can handle the material. Okay. So, like, there's uh, food three D printers for yeah. the astronauts on the space station, or some stories about that last year. Yeah, yeah, it'll, it'll probably get better, you know, because you can combine proteins and eventually you have a steak or whatever. And then you have a replicator and we're living in Star Trek. Yay! Yay. But currently we're just doing plastic. I don't think metal is being done, but concrete's being done. I think some resins or something like that. Yeah, yeah, well, the the entire thing, when I say plastic, I actually mean resin. It's actually not plastic. 
So essentially, 3D printers can use any kind of liquid that hardens. Yes. So you can do plaster, you can do uh, concrete, you can do resin. Uh, that's really all I've heard of so far. Add Thai sauce. Yeah, you could, you could probably yeah. do that, but... Um, oatmeal. <laughs> oatmeal. <laughs> yeah, oatmeal. If you don't wash your bowl out really quickly, that stuff hardens like yeah, a son of a bitch. Make them so open. As long as it's we'll make the strawberries skip and We'll action figures out of oatmeal. So what sure, why not? <laughs> It'll work. Well-ground oatmeal, because otherwise we'll have, like, weird stuff sticking out. And that's different from us how? I don't consider my protrusions weird. Ooh, I've been in a hotel it. with not, you, Gary. I know it, differently. Not touching it. Not touching it. I don't think either of us want to touch <laughs> it. I left, not I left that door it. wide not open. Not touching it. Anyway, they're printing the little exoskeleton for the for the girl, which is really cool. Obviously, all of these little resinous plastic action figures. On QI, a couple of seasons ago, they 3D printed a fully functional one of those devices, a, a windwalker. That you know, there's there's an artist in Finland or something that makes these sculptures that when the wind blows, they walk themselves along the beach okay. completely autonomously, and so and there's he makes all these really cool, and so they actually 3D printed a small one that worked. Cool. I'm pretty sure they may have had to fix some some bits, but it actually came out of the printer functional. Right. So I, th I think that story about the exoskeleton, they said they could print up all the materials in a day and then needed another like half a day to kind of smooth it clean, uh, right. sand it clean, smooth, whatever, to make sure it all fit well. And then they would give it to it. It yeah, wasn't and like And then there's metal components that yeah. tied all this stuff together. But. but they had to clean it up a little bit first. But right. that's all these resin stuff, this plastic stuff, these little kind of action figure examples. Right. But now the Chinese company is printing concrete houses. Mm -hmm. How cool is that? There's also one, what did you say, Minnesota and mm -hmm. in Amsterdam that are doing this, the same thing. And that's just insane. And they're using things like cement and gypsum, I think is what they were saying, where they were just using recycled construction waste. Yeah. So you could conceivably take one of these essentially neighborhood rehabilitation machines to earthquake-ravaged Haiti or something – and basically feed an old house into it, and it could 3D print another house. Yeah. Or a better house, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. so you wouldn't for have families. to necessarily move all the rubble completely. Yeah. You could move it outside the bounds of the house, and then use that to build the house where it, it would stand. Whether that's a good idea or not is, is another question, based on, you know... Mm -hmm. Actually, you know, I, I, in my brain, I had the I had the idea that it was actually making a clone of the house. <laughs> well, that's not you, the case. you would just you feed would make in the something structurally, yeah. yeah you and you'd get material. a not a huge house. I think it's what, what I don't know. It's small. Yeah, a few hundred square feet or something. Yeah, but it all depends. But it's on, shelter. Yeah, that's but, the important part. But it all depends on how you're building it and the material you have and how much time you have. Well, actually, on the Amsterdam house. It is a vacant canal side lot and work commenced on a 13 room prototype abode. Wow. Basically making giant Lego blocks is huh. what they're doing. Okay. And the, the goal is to use a renewable, sustainable, strong, tactile, and beautiful material that can compete with current building techniques. The printed building blocks themselves consist of a bioplastic hot melt mix developed by Henkel that's 80% plant based. 
and the project team considers the material and the technology behind it to be a game changer. The building industry is one of the most polluting and inefficient industries out there, and with 3D printing, there is zero waste, reduced transportation costs, and everything can be melted down and recycled. Hmm. So you could do everything from essentially 3D printing someone a new thatched hut for all intents and purposes, this small little kind of let's just single family. We got to get you some shelter for a refugee camp or something or an earthquake ravage area. Or you could say, okay, we're going to build this house with eco-friendly materials or still just 3D printed concrete and use a lot of physics to say, okay, well, we can build this kind of empty walled kind of house to use the the air for insulation instead of fuzzy pink stuff for insulation and and combine all these various techniques to make very eco-friendly modern homes as well and the speed at which you could make them is probably pretty good especially if you're doing the lego block version Mm -hmm. you know and think about what happens in like the time of a disaster and say there's an earthquake or a hurricane and suddenly you have Lots and lots of people who need lots and lots of shelter in a very short amount of time. We had all that problems a few years ago with after Katrina, all the FEMA trailers. Like they were <laughs> there's well, they, they uh, forget were... all the like anti Obama kind of conspiracy stuff, but they were they were built like brand new and had a lot of like chemical smells. Well, and they, people they were sick they and... used treated wood, which, yeah. are, which I actually stayed in when I was in uh, Iraq and Afghanistan. Basically, the same thing. And you'd go in there and you get headaches. Yeah, you feel nauseous. You know, you had to keep the door. Well, you had to keep the windows open because you, you know, needed it, some ventilation. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was pretty bad. So I feel the pain. But yeah, with something like this, with luck, you use stuff that wasn't uh, toxic. Yeah. And that would, I, I, that would cure quickly. Yeah, I saw a video of the Chinese company, which I think is called Winsun, how they were doing it. It looked like they were essentially layer by layer squeezing out like a toothpaste concrete. Right. Into either like a straight line or a zigzag to produce like the inner wall or something like that to give it structural integrity. But it was basically just slowly but surely a robot was building up and up and up and up and up. And then you just throw a roof on it. Now, I, I know a lot of building companies have been experimenting with things like prefab houses where they build all the walls and the roof and the the beams all in a factory somewhere these are houses uh, that were made before the beatles and then they ship these large components to the site and just snap them together kind of like legos or an erector set or something like that at the site this is kind of another permutation of that how can we build things where not everything is basically a hundred guys over three months hammering wood together and spackling up plaster and running the plumbing. You could basically have your machine come in and 3d print a house and then put a pipe in the end and say, okay, install the water and toilets and electricity and you're done. Pretty cool. Yeah. Of course. The, the one thing is that it's, it's also a uh, cost to market because right now, labor's cheap. No, right? that's so you true. can hire twenty people to go out and build a house in a in a week. Not the best house to be <laughs> to be yeah. fair. So when you're talking about this Chinese company and I saw the video too, and you, the zigzag are basically structural integrity. Yeah, that's so what it's I thought. inside the wall. 
so the cost of having this big factory and then you have to have the beam and you know it's so it's pretty expensive and and of course it's new technology and, yeah you know, but but just like robots have taken over auto production right. where you have less and less people yeah involved. once you scale up it's all about scale once you scale up and you can get stuff buy the raw material cheaply mm-hmm. and then get your process down things you know things come in things go out they go out to their never miscommunication it, right yeah you can't explain that <laughs> Although, oddly, you can because, you know, it's a business. Right. So you could have this technology working with disaster relief or going out to war-ravaged areas to build a refugee camp overnight or something like that. And then you got to find a way to make sure that the – okay, maybe you'll get some early adopters from Los Angeles or something who are like, oh, I'm building an eco-friendly house. It's all kind of prefab and whatever. And then this might be able to make more into the mainstream once people are accepting that it's not just shoddy things built for earthquake-ravaged areas. Yeah, well, I mean, they've had prefab houses for... But those also have a bad name. Sure they do, but that's because when you think of prefab, you think of trailer parks. Right. (laughs) It's technically mass-produced, but it's still... It's really just building it in the factory with the same people the same level of skill that you would build in the field. Right. It just saves a lot of money and time. Yeah. Still plenty of customization. And I'm sure like 3d printers for little action figures, you can customize based on whatever image you program into the computer. You could do the same thing with this. We had to ship the same machine out to Haiti and say, all right, build five little huts around one big town center. And then do that five times, and you have communal halls where people can eat, and then individual sleeping quarters and stuff like that. Well, the thing based is, based on that, how you program it. Well, that's what yeah, I'm saying. but it's the machine isn't in the field. The machine's in the factory and is creating this stuff, and then they're 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 shipping it. Well, eventually you could do both. I would think. Well, if if you can miniaturize it. Actually, I just, yeah, I, I just thought, anyway. I'll... You've been arguing this entire episode about once we kind of get the technology up and miniaturize it yeah, and make it cheaper, and then you just said, no, but you can't ever miniaturize or make it cheaper. This is industrial. This is industrial. We're not talking. Yeah, this is never going to cost anybody an their job. I'm is that idiot. your argument? Yes. <laughs> anyway. So we done right there? Yeah, pretty much. We, yeah, need, pretty we need to know what we learned. I have no idea what we learned today. <laughs> Okay, so what did we learn today? We learned that it takes a month for all three of us to get back together again. (laughs) Just a month? The last episode with all three of us was episode 154 on March 20th. Well, five episodes. Not too bad. Actually, pretty bad, but... (laughs) Okay, so we learned that uh, Mox Plank, which we learned is actually pronounced Plonk, doesn't appear to have been a plonker, based on Greg's informative spiel. San Antonio had a threat against its school children, at which, in the vacuum of information, parents, either rightly or wrongly, freaked out. As in addition to boys have a penis, girls have a vagina, boys have a Zumo, girls have the Juno. <laughs> which, now that I've said that out loud, kind of sounds wrong. <laughs> Hey, baby, my Azumo needs your Juno. (laughs) New pickup line, folks. Oh, dear. I want to Azumo, Azumo, Azumo. (laughs) Yes, I reuse that. We can cut that one up. Nope, Uh, nope, nope. nope, I'm going to let the listeners know that you did that again. Yep. 
We and I use it in a bad bar vibe too. That's horrible. Okay. We learned that a 35-year-old and a 75-year-old man have not been cloned in the scientific version of a love child, but scientists did make some pluripotent stem cells from their nuclei, and they didn't explode. No, it's no, a I, nuclear bomb joke. Oh, what? I thought you were anyway. I thought you were being serious, but no, you went for the nuclear bomb joke. Nuclear bomb joke. Okay. Yep. Because nuclear bomb jokes are funny. Funny, yeah. <laughs> 3D printing is soon going to allow everyone to host an exoskeleton, thus allowing all of our virtual closet skeletons to be revealed. Okay. Yeah. All it. your secrets will be revealed, apparently exactly. because of your cell phone, because you watch Transcendence. Yep. With Johnny Depp! <laughs> <laughs> Gary caught up with us! Yay! Hello! <laughs> oh, that's the beginning of the show, Gary. What's the matter with you? What's the matter, you? Uh, people have been wondering for quite some time. You want some Tootsie Fruitsy ice cream? What? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's an Italian. You want some Tootsie Fruitsy ice cream? Uh, I thought it was a little Jewish guy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Sometimes when you start one accent, it kind of melds Morphs. into another. Like Scottish becomes Australian, becomes Irish, and it's a whole big mess. Yes, it is. But speaking of that, thank you for joining us this week. Us, us, the the, All the of host. Us. Yes, All of us in one room. Well, we'll try again next week for the the three. Yeah, the power of three. <laughs> three. The power of three will set us free. You know what's freaky? We make a triangle when we sit, and you'll see sign of the Illuminati. Exactly. So if you've received any illumination from the past hour and. Plus minutes. <laughs> You're better than we are yeah. right now. So thanks for joining us. We'll talk at you next week. Bye-bye! Bye-bye! <laughs> the Skeptic Wire podcast theme music is by Oscar Lawn with guest mandolin by Greg Perrine. If you've enjoyed listening to The Skeptic Wire, leave a review on iTunes or leave us a voice message via the Podposted app for iPhone. Friend us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at The Skeptic Wire. Follow our blog at skepticwire.blogspot.com or send us an email, skepticwire at gmail.com. You've been listening to The Skeptic Wire. Son of a bitch, Gary Long. That that BuzzFeed article about the poop. I was going to post that. And I'm like, you know, it seems like I'm always bringing up the poop. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And last 3D printing. 3D printing. 3D printing. I'll just make a dildo joke. <laughs> That's exactly where my brain went. <laughs> But I'm not gonna do <laughs> Far be it from us to go for the easy joke. No, well, he goes, like I say, he goes to that mega church uh, off of I 10. No, not, not, uh, not Cornerstone. Not Cornerstone. Oh, he's not, um... he's not that batshit crazy. Uh, <laughs>
Uh, I, I just always wondered, how did bat shit become the barometer for crazy? But, well, Not but, elephant shit crazy, because or bat mouse shit, shit crazy. Because bat, the guano causes uh, uh, psychosis, huh. uh, according to what I've read. So that's why it's bat. It, you, it literally drives you crazy if you breathe into That's why when people go into the, the bat caves, or they have to wear breathers and stuff. because Otherwise, they'll do this dance. Are <laughs> <laughs> <Hey>, you sure? <laughs> oh, that's the Batman dance for the. Thank oh, you! Oh. <laughs> Jeez! I forgot about that. <laughs> the Bat dance, come on, man! <laughs> that's. Well, what, what, what prompted you to start going on all of the, uh, the, the birthing sites and. Because stuff? I got yelled at. I got told because I had C-sections, I'm not a real woman. <laughs> no. I'm not shitting you. There is this whole, unless you push a baby out your hoo-ha. Yeah, and tear it to shreds. Hey, I haven't. So what happens? happens when you push a basketball out through your hoo-ha? I, I'm just wondering where your bitterness came from on that one. <laughs> I'm just... Uh... Sympathetic, <laughs> sympathetic he's, he's he's proud the for ravaged vaginas. You're starting your own charity. He's proud that my vagina is not. The, why can't why can't I be a woman? I the want to be Gary Lawn Foundation for pregnancy ravaged vaginas. Yeah, I'll help him out. But a lot of them are also a lot of these by lots the, of word of mouth are very skeptical and science oriented. Yeah. Okay. A lot of pro vaccination and yeah, no, I, I saw I saw that. It's just uh, I thought it was just like, why is she suddenly on all these baby sites? No, <laughs> not for that reason. Mm -mm. No, 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 no. This, this is. <laughs> I don't have time. I believe the words you're looking for are "this shop is closed." <laughs> I don't even talk to Michael when I'm ovulating. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to take any chances. <laughs> He's just happy I let him in the house now. <laughs> I'm sure with the the right little <laughs> Demi bra, you could rock you could rock just about any outfit. Mm, yeah. Just remember, it's all a matter of what's underneath the clothes. Lots of hair. I didn't need to. You couldn't tell by my arms and legs that are. Um, you could wax. You're like, like <laughs> you're like, you're, <laughs> you're just fooling people. Look at all the hair. <laughs> oh, you're so smooth under there, Greg. I just say, <laughs> Greg, the cleaned up looks very nice. Okay. Yeah, the beard. We can talk about this on the show a bit. Ah, ah, he's he's doing the evolution thing. But no, later. no, I was, I, I, I know I posted that article, but, uh, oh. okay, no, well, it was, it was something else. It was more a, how was your week conversation? Oh, okay. Well, let's, uh, we see, get started. I'm trying to be, I'm trying to actually pay attention to you guys and see what happens in your lives. And I don't know why. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I bother. <laughs> Come on, Donna. At least once every three weeks, I, I ask, how was your week? 
Well, maybe not even that much anyway. <laughs> anyway. We are we ready to go? I think so. I mean, we've got some golden stuff on recording already. Well, let's just stop now and go home. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't actually talk about any topics, Gary. I know it's been a while since you've done, like, a full-fledged episode with all of us here. I did it last week. With all of us here? You oh. didn't let me finish my sentence. No, I heard I'm this person who's supposed to cut off other people while they're talking when we do this show. <laughs> sure. Not you, not Donna, me. That's right. I talk over people. Fuck you! I do it all the goddamn time! Shut the fuck up, all of you! <laughs> no, you don't, Donna. You're too busy checking emails on your phone and Star Trek watch. I don't know if that's a Star Trek watch. That's more like the uh, the old... Okay, Star um, Trek the motion picture when they had wrist I, I, oh. communicators. Oh, yeah, I didn't I didn't actually. I, I didn't make it through the I movie. I loaned you the fucking goddamn movie two years ago. It, <laughs> I, yeah, I didn't make it through. I told you. I gave it back. I was like, God, this thing is bad. Yeah.